morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Erin Baker. I am the women's pastor here, and I could not be more honored today to be bringing our message. We are in week two of a sermon series called Kingdom Culture, and we are exploring in this series what it means to be the church in 2020. We are using the church in early acts to um, guide us as we navigate. It's hard to be the church right now, and it was hard to be the church then too. So we are using the early church in Acts as our guide, which means get out your Bible. We are going to be uh, all over scripture today. Maybe you're following along on an app, Bible app on your phone or your computer. Maybe you're still snuggled in your cozy bed with your physical Bible. Uh, I encourage you to hop around with us, write down scripture references as they come up. Um, like I said, we're going to begin Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, if you would read with me. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This passage is so beautiful because it does give us a glimpse into the early church and how they lived. There are many things in there that we can look to from the apostles' teaching that they devoted themselves to prayer, fellowship, miracles and wonders, generosity, worship. We are going to explore through these weeks. Uh, if you missed last week, our, our Happy Valley campus pastor, Aaron Walton, kicked off the series strong with talking about and looking at how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and how we can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching in 2020 through studying and uh, reading the scripture. Today, I have the privilege of teaching on prayer. And what I titled this sermon is, They Prayed, We Pray. Um, I wanna focus on intercessory prayer because of course we know a prayer life is personal and also in the early church, they uh, prayed together and there was deep connection found um, with God and each other in sharing in uh, each other's prayers. Now, the challenge for me in preaching on prayer is that I love it so much and I actually think it could be its own series, maybe one day it will be. Um, you know, I almost, as much as I love it, I almost withdrew from preaching, actually. Uh, this has been a really um, tiresome and hard season for me personally. And it was 4 a.m., I have a, an almost four-month-old at home, and I was feeding him at four in the morning and feeling like, you know, it's too much. And I just honestly prayed, God, I don't really wanna do this. And I even got to the point of like thanking him <laughs> that like he was gonna release me and thanking him that our teaching team is so full of loving and gracious people. I knew on our teach team call that they were gonna just freely support me um, not being able to do it and that they were gonna step in on my behalf and I was thanking God for that and then I couldn't go back to sleep and I felt like 
he downloaded scripture after scripture after scripture, so much so that I was uncomfortable in my comfortable bed, had to get up at my laptop and type away the bones of this message. I truly believe um, that God answering my release me Lord prayer as no was a blessing and here's why. In my prayer time, he reminded me that it's okay to not be okay. Hear me when I say that again. It's okay to not be okay. I don't know what your not okay looks like, but I know what my not okay looks like, and the people who love me and are close to me know what my not okay looks like, and it's okay. In my prayer time, he also reminded me that he will equip me to do that which he has called me to. Now, I look back um, at times I've been in the schedule to preach, and it's like craziness is happening around me all the time in these prayer uh, uh, message prep weeks. So a few times back, we were placed with a three-day-old foster daughter like a few nights before I was preaching. I preached on very little sleep, and I'm reminded that he gave me what I needed. The last time we were having that same foster daughter um, return home and leave our family in the week that I was preaching. This time around, I don't even know where to start um, <laughs> between the smoke outside and COVID and um, we're moving. We actually got keys yesterday and are moving. Um, so that's a lot and yet here I am and he's giving me what I need because he equips those that he calls. He also has reminded me, uh, and in that prayer time reminding me, that perfection is not the goal. Any other struggling perfectionists, recovering perfectionists, maybe I should say, um, I'm a person, <laughs> so I know that's ridiculous because obviously, but people make mistakes and I had to overcome this. I mean, every time I have to overcome this hurdle of it's not going to be perfect for you today, but I believe that it will be what God wants me to say because I'm leaning into his spirit to show me. What is the goal? Heart transformation. In my prayer time, as he said no to me, he freed me up to return to the truth that heart transformation is really what matters. I hope tomorrow I look more like Jesus than I do today. And I hope today I look more like I looked like him yesterday. Heart transformation is a personal uh, work that each of us can do and lean into. Maybe someone else is struggling too. Maybe God's asking you to do something and hear me when I say, maybe he's releasing you and he does. He does release you. You will have a peace in walking away and giving your best no. But maybe you feel a tug and he's asking you to act, to serve, to help, to do, to partner with him in some way. And you feel held back because of what you're going through. You know, it's an election year and it's COVID. So those two things alone make it an incredibly divisive, tense and polarizing time throw in this, the fires and smoke, evacuations, and whatever else you have going on, health concerns, financial strain, depression, anxiety, the fact that every parent is a homeschool teacher right now. We need Jesus. 
We need God-sized intervention. We need connection with a creator who loves us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice so we could be free from our sin, so that we could experience the peace that he offers in the person of Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Maybe praying makes you feel uncomfortable, vulnerable, awkward. Max Lucado says this, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I love to hear my kids pray. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not um, focused on the way they pray or how, I just, it is so like a joy giver to hear the prayers of children. They're not polished. Actually, they're like never polished. And I want to play a clip um, that I found this week of my now eight-year-old daughter who was praying on her way to preschool at age three. Listen to this. Yes. Thank you for Brother Kathy. His eye was hurting and help him feel better and just like doing this and now it's feeling better. Thank you, Walter. Thank you for Uncle Steven. Like the last of the long, long time he wasn't feeling good. And help him. I love you, God. Amen. I actually need a second just to overcome the preciousness of that prayer. In 30 seconds, my three-year-old prayed for our cat Bubba, who hurt his eye, because he's a punk and starts every cat fight in the neighborhood, and then immediately goes right into praying for her uncle battling cancer at the time and finishes the prayer off with an I love you, God. If I am delighting in my child's prayer, my child's unpolished but heartfelt, honest prayer, how much more does our good father delight in us as adults, still his children, when we pray? If I can accomplish anything in my time this morning, I want you to know how important prayer is, that it's powerful, that it's effective. And I wanna encourage you to pray. Maybe you don't pray, I encourage you to pray. Maybe you already pray, pray more, more prayer. We need prayer. Uh, prayer does a lot of things and I'm going to share in our time this morning five of my favorite things that prayer accomplishes. Now, by no means is this a comprehensive, complete list. It is just five of my favorites. And uh, I'm gonna give them all to you right off the bat if you're a note taker. If it feels too fast, we're gonna revisit and really hone in on each one. Uh, number one, prayer deepens our connection and relationship to God. Number two, prayer deepens our connection and relationship to others. Three, prayer activates the power of God against the enemy. Prayer grows our faith and opens our eyes to what God is doing. Prayer aligns our heart and will with the will of our Father. So we're gonna tackle these one by one and I'm gonna jump right into that first. Prayer deepens our connection and relationship to God. When I think about eternity, I think about how incredible it's gonna be to be in the presence of God, like forever. 
And in moments of conviction, I have to ask myself the question, do I enjoy being in the presence of God now? See, I don't have to wait till I'm dead. You don't either. We have access to God right now, to being in the presence of Jesus through his Holy Spirit right now through prayer. And scripture tells us that he is listening. John 5 verse 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Luke 11, 9 to 13 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I used to think of this in terms of more of like a wish list, like ask and I'll get it. But uh, as I have deepened in my relationship and connection to God, he has shown me that this is a call to go to him, to knock. He will open the door to his presence and he promises to pour it out on us when we seek, when we ask, and when we knock. God is available and accessible. Prayer deepens our connection and relationship with him. Let's move on to point two. Prayer deepens our connection and relationship to others. Open your Bibles. if you're following along, to James 5, verse 13 to 16, and Romans 8, verse 26 to 28. James 5, Romans 8, if you want to put a bookmark in each place, we're going to get to it in a second. First, I want to share in my own life um, a couple traditions that have been absolutely um, the best example I could think of um, to drive home this point. Every Christmas, my family and I get together, and we have what we call our family prayer time. Now, Of course, we're praying for each other throughout the year and shooting each other prayer requests via text. But I'm talking, we sit down. There are now 12 grandkids. So this is my parents, my siblings and I, I'm one of four, all of their spouses and 12 grandchildren under eight. Now we put the 12 grandchildren to bed and then we do this and we pray into the night and we focus our prayer and attention on one couple, one family at a time. It's like we always dread it, if I'm going to be really honest, because it's a lot. Like, it's a lot to gear up for. You know it's going to be raw. You know it's going to be emotional. Um, And every time we walk away from those prayer experiences more connected to each other. We also do this with our college group of friends. My husband and I both graduated from Azusa Pacific University. And um, it's amazing the way that that these friends will band together. I think there's 11 kids between us and our families. Again, bedtime, starting at sometimes 8 or 9 p.m., praying into the night slash morning. Um, It's a lot to gear up for, but it's good, and I feel close to them. It's funny how whenever I'm preparing a message, the message is mostly for me. (laughs) I actually felt very convicted a couple weeks ago um, that I haven't done this with groups of friends here consistently. And so I rallied a couple women and we um, socially distanced on each of our couch spaces. We did this. And I walked away from that night feeling seen, known, loved by God and by those women. And I felt those things for them too. 
Hopefully by now you're to James 5 if you're following along. Let's read it, uh, starting in uh, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? That almost makes me laugh to read because, well, yeah. Uh, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I mean, I could spend the rest of our time here, but I can't. Um, So whatever jumped out to you, lean into that in prayer as you study it more this week. What I want to draw our attention to is that call for the elders to pray. Um, Prayer was one of the foundational parts of this church. And our current elder board is a prayerful bunch. I know them very personally. They have navigated a difficult season together and never have I had so much trust in our leadership uh, that they are praying for you, that they are praying for this church, that they are praying for this community. I just wanna encourage us to be praying for them. Pray for our elders, pray for our pastors, pray for church leadership um, because it's powerful and it's effective and it deepens our connection to each other. Author Marion Skeet says, prayer activates God's purposes in the world and more specifically in and through our personal lives. Intercession is vertical advocacy, which makes human advocacy possible. I love this idea of vertical advocacy. The Holy Spirit, the great intercessor, empowers us to help others through prayer in their time of need Pray compassionately for others and God will show you how to serve them in practical ways. He will intervene and be a present help in their crisis. And I love what this author says because she's so spot on. How many times do we just wanna go immediately to human advocacy? And when there's nothing we can do, it feels like, oh, I guess I'll just pray. No, 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 no. We pray first. Sometimes there's something you can practically do to help. Sometimes there isn't, and that's a terrible feeling. In both scenarios, we are to be going to our Father first in prayer, the Holy Spirit interceding for others, for us, um, showing us how to pray for each other. This takes us right to Romans 8, starting in verse uh, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. People have been praying for me in this season, and it's actually crazy. I kind of feel like a prayer hoarder, (laughs) to be honest. I have had a rough go this last few months since my son was born, and here I am standing. I believe it is because of the prayers of people. Some I have asked for prayer. 
others I've not asked at all. And the Holy Spirit is putting me on their hearts to intercede and pray, and pray on my behalf. And some of them, I know there are probably more than have even reached out, have been reaching out along the way with words of encouragement for me. And not in like a fluffy kind of, yay, you're awesome kind of way, but like real words of encouragement that spoke directly to my heart to where I know it is from the Lord. Others, pictures that they've seen with very specific details that they could have had no clue about. One gal I hadn't talked to for probably a year. She said she, she could not get me off her mind in her prayer time. God gave her a picture. I don't know, she said, I, it's awkward, I don't know, take this or leave it, I don't know, even know what it means, and told me the picture, explained, described the vision that she saw, it's just a picture that she saw of my family and I, and I'm like a blubbering mess at my phone because of God's faithfulness, and the way he connected me with that friend I haven't talked to, or uh, in, just because of the craziness of life in a year. Prayer deepens our connection and relationship to others. Can I get an amen? No one's in the room right now, but I, I'm feeling the amens through the camera. Okay, I'm moving on to point three. Prayer activates the power of God against the enemy. See, in marriage with our kids, conflicts with friends, uh, coworkers, sometimes it's like we're hitting our head against a brick wall because we are focused on the physical and we are trying to battle in the physical. Priscilla Shirer says, we pray because our own solutions don't work and because prayer deploys, activates, and fortifies us against the attacks of the enemy. We pray because we are serious about taking back the ground he has sought to take from us. She has written an awesome uh, Bible study called Armor of God. Our women's community actually went through this study. It's talking all about how our battle is not actually with the physical, and actually most of what's happening in the physical are symptoms of a deeper spiritual issue, that there is a spiritual war raging for the hearts of all, and we are to battle those spiritual things with spiritual armor. And actually, I was just in my office. I have three of these on my desk that are unused. And I just know and feel someone needs them. Someone needs those books. I'm going to give them away. So um, in your connection card, I don't even know if this is a thing, but I'm doing it. If you fill out a connection card, put your address there and put armor of God. Um, if there are exactly three, well then, okay, that was easy. Uh, if there are more, I'll do some raffle or something. I will randomly select and mail you these books. It's a study that I, if you believe you are spiritually battling right now, I want you to have this as a guide um, to point you back to the armor of God that we have free access to. Jesus prayed for you and me. I know that the Holy Spirit, I've been talking about intercedes on our behalf, but while Jesus walked this earth, he prayed for you and me. You can find this prayer in John 17. I'm not gonna read the entire prayer. Uh, I wanna begin, if you're flipping there, um, to verse, uh, in verse 17, John 17, 17. We'll go through verse 20. These are Jesus's words. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. 
Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you and that's me. And if that isn't you yet, it can be you as soon as you choose to choose it. Jesus is praying for us, those that have come to faith by the, the, by the work of the disciples and his spirit. I pray that they will, uh, back to verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prayed that we would be made holy. Jesus prayed that we would learn and know truth found in his word. Jesus prayed that we would experience unity, that we would be one with each other and with the Father through Jesus so that the world would know the truth of who Jesus is and why he came. Holiness is a sin remedy. Truth is a lies and deception remedy. Unity is a division remedy. Sin, lies, and division, you know what they are? They're strongholds of the enemy. Jesus' prayer for you and for me activates the power of God against the enemy. And we have access to that same power through prayer. Prayer activates the power of God against the enemy. Okay, we're going to point four. Prayer grows our faith and opens our eyes to what God is doing. See, as a parent, um, it's really actually hard for me. I try and just do stuff, do everything. Uh, it's more efficient and um, I know how I want it done and then I just do it. I have to constantly remind myself, include the kids, bring them along. We have four children at home, um, three of whom could really help. Um, I've been trying to task them with things lately. Recently, we did a landscaping project where we had all these stones and we needed to move them from here to there. My husband and I probably could have knocked it out in a couple hours. I even like working outside, like it's my favorite kind of like hands-on work, is yard work, that kind of outside landscaping work. But we thought, okay, if we include the kids along, it'll be like a family yard work day, and they'll be by us, and it'll give them an excuse to do something. This was, of course, before the smoke was outside. Um, so we did, and instead of a couple hours, it took them a couple hours every day for like a week. <laughs> but by golly, do they love their little stone area on the side of the house. It's their favorite part, the one that they always comment on, because we invited them in to that with us. Similarly, God invites us into what he is doing, even if it makes something more messy. So there's a a woman that I prayed for in February before COVID hit and we were all shut down, we hosted our women's community, the IF gathering, we were a host site and there are several times for breakout prayer and a woman came forward, she had heard me teach before and share my own experience with infertility and miscarriage and uh, she was having similar struggles and came forward and through tears, let me know she doesn't have hope, she, doesn't even know what to pray or how to pray, but that she felt like she was to be obedient to come forward, that she didn't want to come forward for prayer, but that she did. And um, I thanked her for including me 
in that journey because I could have hope for her. And the Spirit showed me what to say. I could have words and offer words for her on her behalf. So a couple months ago, we've been shut down for a while and I just get a text from her saying, uh, actually not saying anything, a picture of a 12-week ultrasound that they're pregnant and doing great. This is a deposit in my faith account. Uh, I have many. When you are invited in to pray for someone, you get to see and be reminded of the faithfulness and goodness of our God. He is so good and he is so faithful. And there are others I've prayed for that I haven't got the positive report back from yet. And yet still I feel connect, more connected with them. You could go back through the list about how it's not one at a time. All five of these that I'm offering, things that prayer accomplishes, they're happening in real time in, in harmony together. Prayer grows our faith and opens our eyes to what God is doing and it is a privilege when someone invites you in. Number five, our final point, prayer aligns our heart and will with the will of our Father. Matthew 26, verse 39 says, um, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground. This is in reference to Jesus before he went to the cross for a brutal death. He prayed, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We know that Jesus is fully God, fully divine. And also, this is one of the best pictures, I think, of him being fully human also. So much so that his human will was not in alignment, uh, was not the same preference as his father's will. And yet, he surrenders that will to the will of the father. How does he do it? I mean, you could say, oh, he's God, so he can do anything. Sure, but he's also human. How did he go to that cross? How do you do hard things? How do I do hard things? More than I want what I want, I want what God wants for me. Why? Because I trust him. Jesus knows that his father was trustworthy and he submitted to the will of his father. I know and have personally experienced the faithfulness of God in my life to where I can submit to his will, whatever that is. And sometimes it's harder. It's harder than what I want, than my preferences. I'm a confident person. I usually know my preferences and I usually feel fine stating them. And I do, all the time. And the Lord hears them. And sometimes it's a yes and sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a pulling me into deeper connection with him as he encourages me and challenges me to do something hard. C.S. Lewis says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. It may not be immediate, but prayer aligns our heart with the heart and will of our Father. There you have it. Those are my five favorite things. Um, I'm not sure, maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you were hoping one of the things was pray to a Santa like God. He will answer all your prayers how you want in your timing with his angel-like elves. Um, that's, 
I, I don't think any of that's true, um, I'm sorry to say. I, I hope what you have found is a value in what prayer does accomplish in the five things I have shared. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm half kidding. Of course, we can make any requests to God because he cares and he listens, but prayer is not transactional. Prayer to a God who loves you is relational. The band is going to close our time today with a song called Take Courage. Here are some of the lyrics. Slow down, take time, breathe in, take courage, stay steadfast, hold on to hope. It says God is in the waiting. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Who's waiting for something right now? Anyone else? I, I can't see. I feel like there are other hands. When we trust in the goodness of God, we can experience joy and peace no matter the circumstances that we're facing. And no matter how long we're waiting because God is in the waiting. I invite you to pray with me right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us prayer as a direct access to you right now, today. God, that you see us and you love us and you desire connection and relationship with us. It's why you made us to desire relationship as well. God, we love you and we trust you and we know you are good. It's hard right now. Help us. Help us as a church. Help us uh, to be a light in our community. Lord, lead us. We want to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for being in the waiting. We know you don't just leave us over here to wait alone. You are with us and we are tucked under the shadow of your most holy, mighty wing. Thank you for that protection and your love and your goodness. God, we need more of you. In Jesus' name, amen.